Hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan, and welcome to another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, I'm Peter, and it is the normal trio today, myself, and of course, starting right here on my left, the great Dan Crook. Hello, Daniel. How are you today? Hi, Peter. I'm doing very well, thanks. How about yourself? Well, I'm tickled pink because the Open today was brought to you by... Dan's incredible library of impersonations. And if anybody didn't pick up on what that is, please give us the background on that open. Yeah, um, after the uh, North Texas SC championship game, I uh, I was in the Hall of Fame club and um, uh, Chris Bukambusa, the uh, the stadium announcer, the, the guy that, that shouts a lot, um, <laughs> good friend of every sports team in town, uh, you know, mentioned that he always listens to the podcast and he said, you know, I really just, just hope you don't have an impression of me. And I was like, mm, we'll see then, won't that we? That sounds like a leading statement if there ever was one, but uh, we're happy to oblige you, Chris, and glad you listened to the pod. By the way, I thought it was a spot-on impersonation, Dan. Congratulations. Did, yes. you, did you do that in one take? It was one take. I, I didn't want to do it live because I was like, I'm going to screw it up. And then I didn't. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but then I didn't have to scream into a microphone and hurt your ears, so that's good. Oh, awesome. All right. Well, thank you for that. And, of course, uh, your hero and mine, now fully independente, Buzz Carrick of ThirdDegree.net, like the actual website. Come in, buzzard. Hi, Peter. Calling in tonight from the Dallas Morning News offices where I just turned in my key and security card. <laughs> if we ever were so lucky to get anything <laughs> yeah. like that. No, no, People we don't actually believe we have a desk there. Do they really? <laughs> yeah, I've been asked several times about it. All right, so for those who have not seen the news on Twitter or wherever else Buzz has posted it, Buzz, uh, I will now uh, give you the floor to make your big announcement on your very own pod. Sure. Well, the announcement is that uh, we have decided to uh, take third degree independent and end our relationship with the Dallas Morning News. We've been there since 2012. Uh, it's a good relationship all along. They were really nice and really supportive in the sense that when we needed a server, they gave us a place to be. But um, there's never been any compensation uh, from their end. And, and I think we do a really quality product. And um, with the support of people that uh, like you guys who work with me and the support of people that support us on Patreon, uh, we're feeling really good about our chances and we're, we're so we're going to go independent and make our own setup and we're going to try and build an audience. We're going to try and build this project a little bit, see if we can generate some, a, a little bit of income and to cover some of our expenses with Patreon and with some light, light advertising, but there will be no paywall because part of the biggest complaints we ever got was of course, paywall with the Dallas morning news. No offense to them. They're trying to make a, a profit over there. So um, we're going to expose our product to as many people as possible and try and broaden our reach to as many people as possible. And 
We hope you'll enjoy the excellent content, and we hope you'll enjoy this podcast, and we hope you enjoy our reporting on Twitter and Facebook and all the other places. And if you would like to support us on Patreon, you can. Um, or you can just enjoy the content and support us by spreading the love and, and telling people about what we do. So um, we're pretty proud of the new setup we're putting together, and we're hoping everyone's going to like it. Do you mind if I supply some additional background? Please, go ahead. So uh, I don't remember what year it was. It was probably 2011 or 2012. Uh, the third degree site, uh, you had posted it or you had done a deal with the ESPN Dallas yeah. website. Wasn't that right? ESPN Dallas for 2010 and 2011. We were on ESPN Dallas. Prior to that, you were a completely independent blog that you just had running like on a WordPress servers or, you know, uh, <laughs> one of those things. And, and then ESPN was paying you a small amount of money for your content on that website, correct? Yes, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, certainly not a living wage, but a little bit. Right. So, and then, you know, as everybody predicted, that was a goofy idea that ESPN could never support all these independent city sites, and they uh, essentially crushed it and canceled it, and you were without a site. I was working at the Dallas Morning News at the time, who no longer had a regular beat writer for soccer and you needed a place to put your content they needed soccer content and it seemed to make a lot of sense and so we struck it was a in fact i i think i'm correct in saying this you were really the only kind of like third party freelance writer doing this kind of thing for the morning news at the time um and then as the years went by the Dallas Morning News, because of all the obvious changes in newspaper circulation and print subscriptions, you know, cratering, they instituted a paywall. And when they did that, it was like we went back to them and said, hey, are you going to plan on giving us any kind of compensation? We appreciate the fact that we uh, got the cachet of being tied to a major metropolitan daily and the fact that you were paying for all the hosting. But at this point, uh, maybe it's time for you to compensate Buzz and whoever else for the writing we do. And they went, we're not really set up or budgeted to do that. But they did offer one small thing. They were like, hey, let's do this. If we set up this deal where if somebody buys a subscription to the paper and they relate it to you, we'll give you a spiff on it, right? I don't remember. Is that, am I yeah. describing it right? Yeah, yeah then, you had to do it through one of our pages and then it would work, yeah. And as we all could easily predict, we never saw a penny out of the deal, right? Uh, so I, I think for a long time, we've all wondered uh, what was each side getting out of this and who was getting more out of it than the other. And 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 I think you said this very nicely. Uh, there is no ill will or hard feelings between you or me or the Dallas Morning News. They, that is a great institution. They're just not modeled to do this type of business with people like you. And at this point, it made more sense for you to go do your own thing and try to raise your own funds um, versus just whatever you felt like you were getting in return from the morning news. Yeah, they've been great uh, partners. They've never really meddled editorially at all. So, um, you know, I, they, we had that support of their server and their photo archives and all that kind of stuff. And um, so it's been great when we needed a server, but server costs have come down considerably. So we don't need them for that anymore. So at this point, it was a relationship that was built that was getting, I felt like it was getting more for them than it was for us because we were providing great content and we're only getting a little bit in return once the paywall happened. So um, uh, when I in, uh, called them yesterday to let them know, uh, they were, not, they say Wednesday, they were very amicable. You know, everything was fine. We've left on good terms. Uh, every once in a while, they actually use one of our guys as a freelancer when John Arnold is gone. So that maybe that'll continue. So everything's positive. It's just, we're, we're, we're betting on ourselves. We're going to take a shot at ourselves and see if we can make this thing move a little bit. 
All right, so uh, we're, we are recording this on Thursday evening. Uh, the new website, thirddegree.net, which is the number three rddegree.net, will go live when? Tonight. It's the same URL we've had since 1997 um, that we, we promised the morning news we would stay with them through the end of October. So that's midnight. So late tonight, we'll change it over. And Friday, November 1st, we will be all the content will be on the new site. Hopefully, given my technical limitations, I'll get it all done tonight with Dan. I'll help me a little bit, hopefully, and uh, we'll get it done right around midnight, hopefully. Dan's a total nerd, right, Dan? Well, yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> you, you, you missed all the fun we were having today trying to get the last couple of little uh, wrinkles out. Well, I've only I haven't even looked at it recently, so I'm super excited to see what it turns to turns out to be like. So, just to be clear, there is no uh, paywall in the sense that you have to pay to get the content. All of the content will be free, correct? Yes. the The only thing that is not going to be on there is some stuff that we were doing extra for our patrons who support us on Patreon. But that has always been the case since we've had a Patreon. For now, uh, as we try this out, we're trying to build audience, so everything's going to be free that's on the thirddegree.net website. And uh, and I will say independently, what Buzz has done is set up this Patreon account so that if you are consuming his content, please understand this dude essentially <laughs> is doing a uh, the so- soccer lord's work in covering soccer in this uh, in our community uh, in a very unique and special way, and he's doing it out of his own pocket. So if you enjoy his work and his coverage, and you read it on the regular. He's not asking you for a specific amount. You could go in there and throw in a dollar. You could go and throw in $10 a month, whatever you feel comfortable with. So I would encourage you to do that uh, if you are consuming his content. And I would appreciate it for Buzz. So there. I think it's worth saying as well, you know, Buzz doesn't live on Frisco Square and just walk over the road. You know, he has a considerable drive to there and back to the stadium for practices, for games, everything else. There's, you know, there's, there's a good expenditure that he's, he's, he's taken out to cover the team yeah buzz lives all the way out in arlington drives all yeah. the way to frisco uh, several times a week to go cover the team attend practice interview players uh, go to the games uh it, your dedication buzz to this is uh, beyond honorable uh and uh it's unfortunate that the the media industry and the kind of like unfortunate micro interest overall in this particular club in this marketplace has created a situation where like trying to get a full-time job covering soccer in this town just isn't a real thing it isn't a real thing for anybody in this market uh, for the most part yeah one reason that we've survived for 22 years is that it never has been a business it's always been a side thing a hobby you know I'm, i'm now trying to take a little bit of a next step my livelihood is not dependent on this but I would, you know, I, as you say, it's an hour each way and it's $7 tolls each way. And that's doing it the cheapest way I could find. So, you know, I, little things like that up, the Tucson trips add up, the, the hosting of this, of this podcast, the hosting of the website, it all adds up. I'd like to be able to recoup some of that. And then if we could even, uh, you know, I work in a freelance business, uh, you know, and, and maybe the business, the business isn't always great all the time. And so if I can, if I can build this into something that can supplement my income, the tiniest little bit, and then I can start to trickle it down to other guys that work for me, that would be fantastic. Um, we all have big dreams that my Patreon's got goals on it that if we hit, we can make some changes in that kind of thing. But for now, if you like what we do, want to support us, we would love to have your support. 
uh, and hopefully you will feel like you're getting content with it's worth your money because if you do support we give you a little extra special stuff on the patreon for the people that, that do support us that way so many autographs just yeah autographs I think autographs that's a yeah good autograph from buzz no one hand, else hand-drawn pictures of buzz with his autograph on it I think that's a great idea. All right, so enough about that. ThirdDegree.net goes live and independent as of November 1st. Uh, congratulations, Buzz. I'm very proud of you. Thank you, sir. Okay, so let's move on to the stuff everybody really cares about. Just real quickly, MLS Cup 2019 takes place uh, in a little over a week, and I don't think it's the uh, setup either one of us or the, the lineup of teams that anybody on the pod would have anticipated although if we'd really thought about it long and hard enough it's kind of exactly what we deserve isn't it well i would like to point out that uh, the last pod i did predict toronto would get to the final oh you did I that's did. right I that's right yeah that. i predicted yeah. a win in new york and a win in versus atlanta or whoever else they got next so but i don't think anybody saw seattle being lafc so i can't take credit on that one yes it's gonna be such an exciting thrilling Final, hopefully there's more than one shot on target this time. Be great. You know, it's funny. Uh, I think the great irony of the 2019 MLS playoffs is everybody was so excited about the single game elimination setup and how much more added um, uh, excitement and drama it added to the playoffs versus the home and away deal. But then we got to the semifinal and both favorites or higher seeds lost and now the two teams everybody really wanted to see in the mls cup are no longer in the mls cup and there's all this drama about what it means in terms of lafc being the greatest team ever and what and blah 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 but at the end of the day it does it does accentuate why i'm so frustrated by the way the supporter shield is structured because of its unbalanced schedule because as a sport soccer is a weird fit for a single game elimination knockout type tournament, right? Just because it's too easy for a team to sit back and defend, like both these teams did to kind of overcome their nemesis. Yeah, it's certainly the one game has made it more chaotic and it makes it harder to defend your home field advantage perhaps, but then it also makes that home field advantage stronger because you don't have the two legs. Certainly excitement and chaos has been fun, but I agree with you that it does accentuate the idea that uh, the, the the fact there's not a balanced supporter shield schedule and, there, and it is this sort of hyper knockout sort of situation that uh, doesn't it's not conducive for the traditional sort of way but uh, you know I think sort of the ratings and the hype of some of these games has been something the MLS is going to point at and think oh that's what we want you know so I I think we're going to get more of it not less if we as we go forward so Dan uh, coming you know I, I I don't even know how long you've been in the United States Dan but I do wonder. Did you, when you first were introduced to the concept of playoffs at the end of, to determine a season champion, uh, as a foreigner, did you find that really odd or interesting or compelling or, or were you completely put off by it? I mean, I was aware of MLS playoffs before I moved here, but we have them in rugby and in England, it's just single, you know, four teams, single game semifinals, single game final. Um, We have, you know, promotion playoffs. Um, the football league do two legs, but for the most part, through the leagues, it's one leg. It's, you know, it's very normal. It's very normal. I mean, obviously, it it sucks that uh, because MLS don't own the shield itself, and and the marketing uh, dollars that can, uh, sorry, the uh, the income that can come from that, 
they they unbalance the schedule and kind of devalue it. But because uh, it would be nice to see the best team over the course of the year recognised as the best team, um, yeah. For which I think we can safely say LAFC have been the best team. Um, you know, they just uh, got it wrong in one game. Maybe got a couple of calls that didn't necessarily go their way, and uh, you know. Carlos Vela disappeared in a big game again. I don't know why uh, Bob Bradley got so upset last week. Yeah, it was uh, pretty amazing to watch. It, 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 it is pretty, it was very much very hashtag 2019 in that uh, it seems like MLS made some corrections to the playoff format that everybody enjoyed until they didn't. And then everybody just complained about the new format because it didn't end the up. Format's the format's great. Yeah. Everyone, nobody wanted the, the, you know, the same final three three times in four years because it was a it was a dog awful final but i think that the playoffs have been fantastic um i would have loved to have seen uh, that single elimination style when oscar Pereira was coach because that whole getting ready that anticipating a second leg screwed his mind up so much that he always did the dumbest crap in the first leg like playing a five man back line in seattle yeah <laughs> You're, you're right about that. But here's what we're looking forward to is a completely sold-out NFL capacity 72,000 uh, attendance at CenturyLink for an MLS Cup, and that is going to be insane. Cold. And, and cold, yes. It'll be cold and rainy, and, <laughs> but it will be insane to watch. Uh uh, and so, all right, so that is MLS Cup happening in, uh, I don't know what, like nine or ten days. Uh, it will be in Seattle, though. Um, so um, I guess that's like their third MLS Cup in four years, and I'm sure mm. somebody's going to remind me how awesome Seattle is as a soccer well, town. It's real you sad. know, th- they've only had one in Seattle before, and that wasn't even one they played in. So, mm-hmm. you know, beats going back to Toronto for the third time in four years. Oh. God, that was the coldest night of my life, 2010, in so many ways. Um, All right, so, uh, Buzz, it seems to be that time of year. We now know what, at least in terms of uh, contracts and pickups and booted-out-the-door situations uh, for FC Dallas leading into 2020. So now's the time to kind of start looking forward and figuring out uh, you know, what the plans are. So let's start off with the three guys that they uh, swiftly kicked out the door. Christian Coleman, Edwin Jossi, and Moises Hernandez. Uh, and I would say thanks to one, too bad to one, and good riddance to the third. Yeah. And not in that well, order. <laughs> not in that order. Well, Christian Coleman, I think we all could have predicted a year ago this was going to happen, despite, you know, they kept him around because he blew his knee out and he had to rehab and you can't cut a rehab player. So, um, you know, great dude. I think if you ask Lucci that everyone would feel bad, but Roddy's been on the wall for that guy. Um, Jossie, you know, once he quit in Orlando, uh, quote-unquote injured, but quit, you know, as far as we're all concerned, uh, the writing was on the wall there too. Just doesn't have, just didn't have the guts and toughness for the heat here, I guess. Um, certainly never showed anything in training too often when negative things would happen, he would just drop his head and quit in training. So it's like, you know, that's not the kind of mentality Lucci likes. Uh, Moises Hernandez, um, this guy that's been a good servant of this club, but basically the last few years he's been on loan to San Antonio. I mean, that was a given that he was going to be out. You know, he's too mistake prone, too likely to get a big card, 
just not someone you can rely on in the long term when you've got young guys coming through. That was going to be a no-brainer. And then the last guy was out of contract is Eric Alexander. He wasn't really released per se or declined, but um, you know I, he came here as a almost like a player coach kind of scenario to try and bring up the level of training and provide some leadership for some of the young guys. It was a foregone conclusion. I thought that he wasn't going to be around past this year either. Yeah, absolutely. Eric Alexander was really just a body in in training. Um, Moises, you know, kind of like Coman, uh, you could say the writing was on the wall from the moment that uh, I think you put on on Twitter or Instagram that um, him and his wife, uh, I think they, I can't remember if they rented or bought a house, but you know they they made the entire move down to San Antonio. That's not something you do for you know just a couple of months. I, Buzz, was there ever any conversation between you and Lucci or anybody else at the club uh, that? where anybody kind of capitulated and said, yeah, we totally blew it on Jossie uh, and gave any kind of indication of how they managed to get that so wrong, uh, considering how important it is that they get this so right moving into 2020. Uh, I don't think anyone ever uh, explained to me how they got it wrong. I certainly think that they realized pretty quickly, um, particularly after Orlando, that Oof, you know, that, that was such a bad moment, such a moment where, I mean, collectively the coaches, you know, two days later he was back in training and the eyebrows were raised, you know, you could see it in their faces, like what is going on? And, and that was pretty, he got one more sub appearance after that. And that was pretty much it. I mean, I think, you know, they knew at that point it was, and we talked about on this podcast many times that he would never play again. And um, as for why it went wrong, I think, uh, my gut feeling is is that uh, they got him on a budget because it was a loan. They just borrowed him, sort of. It didn't have to pay full price, and so they were willing to try it. Um, you know, hoping that he had worked out. And and and, but I I don't know who scouted him specifically. I can't answer that question. They're not usually really open about who because they don't want exactly what they don't want is somebody to point fingers at a specific person. But um, you know, you get you get to hope that they get a better scouting system because. Um, you know, the last couple of guys they brought in have been a little hit or miss. They haven't all hit, certainly. And, you know, they're going to bring in some guys this window. So uh, they better get better about what they're doing or there are going to be some problems. Well, the, the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway out of the declined uh, options, contract options, is the amount of money it frees up. Because between Christian Coleman and Edwin Jossi, those were two, I think I'm saying this right, two of the top five salaries on the roster that they've suddenly uh, you know, save themselves. So that, you know, that's significant. And uh, it'll be interesting to see hit if or how that gets used for next season. Well, that it is true that they are both a lot. Jossie was 570 base and Coleman was 500 base. So, you know, that's a million dollars uh, between the two players um, for a team that's already in the bottom of the, of the thing. You know, both of those are, right around what would be the DP line. So they, they may have had to buy them down a little bit too. So that frees up a little Tam as well. Um, but that's going to be the big question, isn't it? I mean, that's this club has talked about this youth movement, but yet both Dan and Lucci have talked about, it's not there where it's a hundred percent yet. You still have to be smart with your buys. And we all know you're not going to get your $7 million Rui Diaz. We know, but um, you know, if, if they expect to actually challenge and make progress, they're going to have to hit, on a couple of signings because if they miss then you're going to have the exact same team you have now and it's going to be really hard to project yourself into the playoffs 
again, because every year everybody gets better. That's how it works. So if you don't progress, you're going to be out of the picture next year. Uh, so I don't know if anybody else has read it uh, or had a chance to read it over at The Athletic. Sam Sketchall, or however pronounced his last name, wrote a really uh, timely article uh, about how uh, you know Major League Soccer, which has always been known for its in- – high level of parity is that's shrinking how much it's shrunk and how the top four teams clearly are the teams that are spending big dollars on signings and then kind of defines all of that and and he kind of closes it uh very clearly saying look the days of the fc dallas's and the new england's and the kansas cities and all these other teams that are kind of in either mid-tier or lower tier spenders uh finding their way to mls cup are really starting to become over and 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 there is beginning to be a have and have not situation uh, in the league. Yeah, if you look at Steve Finn's uh, wage graphic that he does, TFC is first, LA Galaxy second, weirdly Chicago third, but LAFC is fourth, Seattle fifth, Atlanta seventh. You know, uh, these teams are spending the money are going deep in the playoffs. Uh, you know, Lucci and I even had a conversation today about special players, about guys that stepped up and and scored big goals like Morris, like Rui Diaz. You know, they know that if you want to compete for a championship, you've got to have those guys. Now, we all think down the line, a Paxton or a Jesus could be that guy. But at 1920, that's a big ask. So, um, you know, there definitely is some thinking going on in FC Dallas that if they want to try and do something in the next short window, that they got to hit on some guys and get some guys in here that are difference makers. You know, the problem is is that we all know Hunt's not spending $7 million on Rui Diaz. So this is going to be an interesting line to walk to see what they can put together. Because if you don't have both components, it's going to be really hard to keep up. Both the homegrown youth and the veteran guys have to hit or you're not going to be in the mix. It comes back to uh, what you said before. They need to get the, the scouting on point. Um, you can bring in good value, you know, veteran guys. You can bring in a... A Ziegler and a, a Grayso type, but you've got to go out and find them. Find the guys who are, you know, good enough, but at the same time, cost effective. So, of the contracts that were picked up, there was several that are, you know, uh, obvious and make, you know, that are uh, largely just uh, supporting staff: Kyle Zobeck, Brian Reynolds, Callum Montgomery, Jimmy Maurer, and even Matt picking up Matt Hedges' uh, option uh, totally makes sense. But then you start to get into another group of uh, five or six guys that I think uh, deserve larger conversations. First off is Reggie Cannon, Jesus Freya, and Jacory Hayes, which are all essentially working off their rookie and or homegrown deals and what i'm fascinated by is buzz are you at all surprised that jesus and specifically reggie who is now getting regular call-ups to the national team are being kind of stiff-armed on getting new deals or do you anticipate both or one of those guys will get a new deal uh, before the new season starts well um they certainly weren't going to let them walk away for free so um, what I can tell you for sure is that I know that Jesus Ferreira is negotiating with FC Dallas. Um, they would like to give him a Paxson-ish kind of contract. Um, I think it, uh, you know, my gut instinct was, is that the timeline, the time frame will be less, will be shorter. Um, Jesus being Colombia eligible, you know, passport wise. I feel like he'll be a little more mercenary in his mindset, so it won't be quite the same as Paxson. He might want just more of a three than a four or five or whatever. 
But I think that'll get done because he was one of the key guys they talked about in rewarding kids coming through. Um, Reggie, on the other hand, um, according to my sources, has turned down at least two offers um, from FC Dallas uh, and is doesn't seem super interested in extending. Mm. Um, you know, it, when you see his body language, uh, you know, walking around on the field, walking around in training, when he comes back from the national team, sometimes he's a little grumpy that he's back. You know, it's, I, I think, um, I, I've not asked him because I don't know what he would tell me anyway. Cause you know, I don't necessarily have a, an amazing relationship with Reggie, not negative by any means, but we're not chummy or anything. Um, you know, I, I think he's probably in that window of, okay. In his head, okay. It's, uh, it's time for me to take a step. You know, I'm in the pool. I'm cemented myself in the national team. If I, whatever my next tournament is, if I have a good showing, let's see if an offer comes in this winter or this summer. Uh, and then I think it's time. And, and I actually think FC Dallas will be okay with that because they're, they're starting to get a slight log jam at right back. Um, Reynolds, needs to play somewhere if it's not fc dallas he needs to go on loan they got kevin bonilla coming through the system they've got johnny nelson who can play on the right too that you know they, they're gonna have they've got brisson who can they use other if they have to although i don't like that um Tumasi yeah, so, as well to yeah emma Tumasi, who they have on a contract is a guy that lucci specifically has said they like him at right back if he'll if he'll embrace it so um I think there's a mutual feeling developing, a vibe developing that the timeline is running, the clock's running on Reggie taking the next step. Now, do I know for sure? No. But, um, you know, we've been doing this a long time. And, and just like we knew we could tell Mauro Diaz was getting close, just like we could tell Carlos Greza was getting close. Right. This is just what I feel like with Reggie. And, and I know for a fact he's turning down offers, and that's a, not a good sign in terms of his wanting to. So he was willing to take the to play on this uh, rookie option and keep going. Reggie is so they do have him for two years. If he, if, if he doesn't, if nothing happens, so, but he doesn't want to extend apparently. So. Yeah. It, 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 oh, go ahead. Sorry, Dan. I was going to say, well, well, let's also consider, you know, as long as Reggie has been a professional, he he's done interviews where he said, I want to be the best. I do want to go to Europe when the time's right. And, you know, getting a national team, like you said, uh, going around guys, like Michael Bradley, who he's brought up a bunch of times, someone who's played most of his career in Europe. You know that you start talking to to players who've been there, and so you know, like, oh, so what was Italy like? What was Holland like? What was you? You know, and then you start thinking, yeah, that's that's where I want to be. That's that's my next move. Uh, so you know, it, it kind of makes sense. You know, we. Obviously, uh, there's the talk about American players getting more expensive or needing to be more expensive, uh, whereas the U.S. has always been a, a cheap outlet for decent players to Europe. You know, a guy who's out of contract, particularly someone who's under 24 and doesn't have the uh, the restrictions that European players under contract, uh, sorry, out of contract under the age of 24 have, where you know you have to give them not only a, a training fee, but you have to give them a full transfer fee. Uh, you know, that's a, that's an a, attractive prospect. It's an interesting calculation because there's uh, several puzzle pieces at play here, which is for Dan and Clark Hunt. Now, Reggie is maybe uh, not the best example of this because what you said, Buzz, that they've got some supporting staff behind him that may be able to fill in his role and, 
and you know you Brian Reynolds uh, coming in and taking his place maybe eighty percent of Reggie Cannon. I don't know. You you I'll let you put the percentage on that. But it, it does become an interesting equation for Dan and Clark in the idea that is the reason why Reggie is unhappy because Dan and Clark aren't offering him a, a is it an amount of money or is he just ready to go somewhere else and no matter how much money they throw in front of him, he's leaving? Um, well, first, as uh, to Brian Reynolds, it'll be just like Reggie two years ago. There'll be some rookie growing pains. Uh, absolutely right in this minute. Excuse me a second. <clears throat> right this minute, he's not going to be Reggie. We all know that. He'll have to grow into it. So would Emmett Tuomasi. So would any other solution they're going to come up with. They're not going to buy somebody to play that spot. When um, The second part of that answer is, uh, I don't think it's the money. I think it's the eyeballs on Europe. I think Reggie has always said that he wants to go there, as Dan mentioned. You know, and, and the vibe I get and the, and the stuff I get from, that I hear. When I say I hear stuff, I don't mean like my barber told me. I mean, like I'm hearing it from people that are connected. So um, it's nothing I can concretely report. I just I feel like he's put himself deep enough into the national team that he says, OK, for me to progress with the national team, I now need to take my game to the next level. Can I do that here? Or do I need to go? And I, I think the eyes are on the prize and he feels it's time to go. So. Again, we're just reading the tea leaves on this one, but I feel pretty confident that Reggie thinks it's time. You know, and you can tell the difference between a guy that thinks it's time and a guy that's still content to be here. Okay, so my question to you, Buzz, is: uh, Does the club have a, a backup option ready enough that if uh, somebody from Europe came and said we'd like to buy Reggie Cannon from you for the right price, they'd be ready to pull the trigger? Or is this a function that they need him to last through the 2020 season? No, no, they'd pull the trigger. Yeah, they'd be ready. Because you can either go with Brian Reynolds and have a little growing pain, or you can just roll with Brisson to start out the season. No, God, please you know not I mean? that. No, we, I, I, we already I, I, saw I what that means in Seattle. That would be a terrible, terrible option. <laughs> no, I, I think the answer would be... Uh, Brian Reynolds, because just like it was with Reggie two years ago, right. you know, the first game was painful, but at some point you got to play through that, right. And get through that. And, and Reynolds is a position where he's too good for North Texas now. So he either needs to play somewhere else or he needs to start here. One of the other it's time in terms of like developing that product, because he's a guy with tremendous upside too. So one or the other of them needs to play somewhere else. And so if you can get a price for Reggie and sell him now, great. Can, or maybe you loan Reynolds at the start of the season if, and, then, and you sell Cannon in the summer, maybe. So, you know, and then, then Brian comes back more ready because he's played in the championship or something. Uh, so, you know, all these things are in flux and they're all part of the equation, you know. But um, this is just my read on Reggie is that I feel like he, he's in his head. He thinks it's time to go. And, and, the, and the club definitely has lined up three or four deep options at right back. Um, you know, for to make changes as opposed to like center back where they are not <laughs> these options. Right. And and to be fair, uh, Dan and uh, Dan and Clark Hunt have never, ever st- stood in anybody's way that wanted to leave, uh, whether it was for the good uh, for, of the club or not. They've always been willing yes. to let people go. So. Um, all right. So the one name out of all of this that probably caught the most uh, uh, eye rolls and raised eyebrows was the club's decision to pick up the contract of Dominic Baji. Buzz, were you surprised by that? No, no, not remotely, actually. And I'm sure Dan would agree with me that 
Um, when you look at Baji's contract, which is right around two hundred thousand dollars, I'm sure there's a little small bump for his option. But we've talked about this before. If you think he's your number one nine option, then he's a failure. He's not scoring thirty goals. He's not Joseph's. But uh, he costs two hundred thousand dollars and not a million dollars. So like he's a he's a valuable. MLS veteran that when he plays 30 games, he can score you like six or seven goals. He's a second or third bench player. Um, I'm not at all surprised they picked him up because you know what exactly what he is and exactly what his price is. And he's a pretty hard worker, although he, he does get banged up a little bit. Um, but here's my big take on Baji. I think they should trade him because uh, I think he's a terrible fit for Lucci Ball, Dominic Baji, stylistically. He doesn't fit what... I don't think he fits what... Um, uh, Lucci wants to do so uh, you know there are teams that are worse than Dallas and there's a teams that would like a veteran kind of winger slash striker so I think that's the kind of asset that you can turn like a little Tesho Ekandeli you can turn for a little bit of Tam Gam you can try and build the team more in the direction you'd like you know we've talked about the idea that they want to bring in both a nine and a, and a winger and we'll talk more about that in a minute but those are positions Baji plays so I think it's time to trade Baji and see if you can get a little bit for him. And I and you don't let a player that's even if it's a small asset, you just don't let them walk away for nothing. You pick them up, try and see if you can do something with them, and, and you don't give things away for free. Yeah, like you say, uh, you know he's a he's a cheap player that plays two expensive positions. That's uh, that's worth his weight in gold. Um, you know we know the trade market's going to be pretty lively. Cincinnati need to rebuild, Vancouver need to rebuild, you've got Miami coming in and, and Nashville, uh, you know, so in the expansion draft they may, may just pick up some trade bait that Dallas want to deal, you know, it's it's going to be uh, it's gonna be pretty interesting to see what they do, uh, Miami will say, you know, they're pretty big on, on the youth system they're building up and the money they're spending, they may, know, they may not want to um, bother with the... Uh, the super draft so they may start dealing picks out so you know to get a bench player for a for a reasonable pick that can get you a, another another uh, decent prospect on the wing or up front is is something that uh, FC Dallas could definitely do with so uh, uh, the rest of the list are people that were under contract and remained under contract, but there were a couple of names in here that um, uh, raised questions about uh, are they good fits? Are there possibilities they may be moved on anyway? What, what, Buzz or Dan, what, whoever has the answer to this, what is the status or is there a plan about Pablo Arangis? I had totally forgot about him and that he wasn't sold back to a club uh, in Chile, he was loaned back, and he's still an FC Dallas player. Is there any scenario in which he returns? A, and if not, B, are there is there a club that's going to buy him and get him off the books? Uh, I'll go after that. I I would say there's a less than five percent chance he returns. Um, like anybody else, this, this club, when he asks to go home, when he asks to leave, they accommodate you for that. You know, and, and in a sense, asking to go home, uh, it's not the same as quitting. I, I don't want to be that strong in my language. But, um, you know, Lucci's looking for guys he can trust, guys he can rely on. And if you say, I need out of here, then you're not one of those guys. But, again, you don't just let a guy walk away for nothing. So, like, they have him for this year, and I think they even have him for next year if they want him. But, uh, but he, he, I would be stunned if he comes back and they don't work out some sort of relation uh, scenario where – he's on a loan again or gets sold. You, as long as you're not bleeding money on that deal, 
you hope that he is comfortable at home and develops at home and gets his game back. And then you can move him and actually recover some of what you spent to get him and actually get some sort of progress. But I, I don't think he'll be back. You, you just, again, you don't give away assets, you know, and you try and build that asset. Even if it's not here, you hope it's going to get built back where he's playing. Has anybody uh, <laughs> paid attention to how things have gone for him back in Chile since he went, went home? Nope. <laughs> uh, I noticed he's been starting a fair amount, but um, I'm, I, I, I had not seen him getting goals or assists. You know, so it's the yeah. same same Pablo. You We're know, not reading headlines is what you're saying. No, just what he had. You know, he occasionally tweeted out or, or uh, Instagrammed out like himself in the lineup, or um, you know, I, I when when he did get a goal or assist, which was once or twice, I think he did something. Somebody mm-hmm. was tweeting out, you know, oh Pablo assist, Baba, you know. So I there was a little bit of stuff, but um, you know, nothing that makes me like, oh dang it, we got to bring him back, you know, none of that. The other name, so, so oh, that okay. assist, that's still the only assist or goal he's had. Yeah, there you um, go. Yeah, he's. You know, he's he's getting 90 minutes. That's nice. He's still picking up a lot of bookings. Mm. Um, he's probably, but, you know, one of the big things for him is, yeah, there's fans in Chile want him, clubs in Chile want him. They can't afford him. They can't afford the wages he he bumped up to with FC Dallas, and he, they can't afford to pay FC Dallas for him. That's his problem, not our problem. Uh, the other name on the under-contract list that uh, I is probably the one of the largest sources of frustration I have as a fan. Uh, what is this club going to do with Santiago Mascara? Oof. Um, you know, I, I think he's a guy that will be in the mix. Uh, he has not demonstrated enough that you're, oh yeah, this is my guy. You know, he's, he's going to be in the rotation probably. You see a lot of time off the bench unless he can come up with something. You know, he he's approaching the prime of his career. I think he's 24 now, maybe 25. So, um, you know, it's he's not going to develop much more than another season or two. So, you know, he needs to uh, focus a little bit, dial down a little bit, and get, get you know, it's hard to really say what the missing piece is other than just sort of it doesn't all come together and – um, as, as the, as the contracts escalate in this league, the one he's on is not horrible. Um, you know, I, so I'm, I'm, it's not as, as friendly as Don Baji's is, but uh, I've certainly seen worse. Um, you know, he's already under contract, so there was no option to pick up. So I, they were kind of stuck with him. So, yeah, but I would, but you, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I could make an argument that you're getting a better return on investment on Baji than you are. For I think yeah. he's making almost twice as much money as Baji than you are in Mascara. Yeah, he is, and that's why that contract is a little bit more, and the production is a little bit less. So he would be hard to move. Um, and like I said, it's not an option. So he was under contract. So you don't really have much choice. Right. Um, you know, you hope you can. Uh, per, you know, listen. In the spring, he looked lights out. I thought he was going to be MVP of the team because he was killing it. You know, it didn't translate into the season. He gets banged up a little bit. He's not. You know, he doesn't. Stay hurt. the course like some other guys, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, there's some talent there. You hope it matures. You hope you get something out of it, but you can't count on it yet, which is, again, why we think there's going to be some movement up front. Well, they also need to just try and get some consistency out of him. You know, on his day, you can put him up against most of that team and say, okay, yeah, if Mascara's at his best and Bargy's at his best, Mascara's, you know, two or three times a player. 
but his best doesn't come around very often. It's you know it's so hit and miss. He'll have you know a fair game and an awful game and a great game, and then decide he's sick or he's got to go to hospital because he twisted his knee funny or you know just you know. But you know if he can be that player, then he's worth something. And if he's worth something, he's yeah, and not terribly expensive. Then you know it's worth keeping him around and seeing if you can at least try and get the best out of him. So as I look at the rest of the roster, what I what really uh, is just blatantly obvious to me is the conflicting ideas of how is Lucci going to get the Thomas Roberts, Dante Seeley's, uh, Edwin Cerios, Johnny Nelsons of the world, and also at the same time accomplish this, uh, uh, you know, this desire to get better inbound players in at the same time and make all those pieces fit. Buzz, do you have any sense? That between Lucci and um, oh, I always forget his name. The new technical director, the guy that's doing all the <laughs> scouting and and buying yeah. and selling of players. What's his name? Andre Zanata. Oh, Zanata. Thank you. God, that's yeah. uh, sorry. My apologies to him. I I don't know why I can't remember his name. Um, all of those pieces uh, and improving that component of it. Do you have any sense that they have a clear path uh, and plan in place going into twenty twenty? Yeah, I, I do. Um, you know, one of the things that's, uh, I think there's a, there's a difference uh, in the young guys between the, the, the kids that have cemented themselves and proven themselves to be reliable and are in the mix and the kids that are still the developmental signing, the, the Sealy, the, the Pepe, uh, Thomas Roberts. Thomas Roberts. And, uh, you know, the, the, as long as they have North Texas, uh, to occasionally play those guys with, they're not super panicked about um, progressing them. You, you know, some of it will come down to those guys. You know, you, when you get your five to ten games, like Thomas has, if you take advantage on some level, then you're going to get more. You know, like th- there was some availability at left wing, and, and Roberts got a little bit of time. And if he'd have really torn it up, he might have kept that spot. But you know, Dante Sealy is so young, and Pepe is still so young. I, those guys you can't expect to become starters anytime soon. You know, they're just going to cherry pick some minutes here or there and play with North Texas. So um, that having that team to move people up and down for, so they can train every day with your first team and yet still get a full game on the weekend. That's going to be big for those guys. Uh, I wouldn't shock me to see uh, some people in that category in the next season or two move because there has to be a balance uh, with this club of developing assets and then moving them on. You can't keep all of them because there's more Academy guys coming. There's more draft picks coming. There's guys coming in. Eventually somebody has to be sold like uh, Chris Richards was. So, you know, I, we've long felt Thomas Roberts might go somewhere and Dante Seeley's goes and trains with people all the time with that TNT passport of his. So there's always a balance there and North Texas helps. And, uh, it's up to the kid in the end. Like once you get that minutes, you better do something or else it's a tough business, man. You don't get to play cause it's your turn. Cause your mom brought the orange slices. That was the weirdest. Uh, that was awesome and weird all at the same time. Uh, so the obvious question, uh, I think what I would like to do is see if we all have, uh, in a, a shared agreement, of what the biggest needs positionally for this team are. But before we get there, the one other player that I want to ask about is, are we 100% sure that Lucci 
and uh, Zanata and everybody else involved are feeling that Brian Acosta is a lock for this team next season. Did anyone hit that one? Oh, wow. No. Um, no. <laughs> I mean, a, a lock in terms of being here for the duration of the season. Well, yeah, absolutely. He's growing into he's growing into the roles, particularly playing that deeper six role. Did you mean in a different regard? Well, I no. I, what I mean is, is that you know, based on his performance this year, and to be fair to Acosta, he was asked to play two, you know, slightly different iterations of the same position. Um, but they paid a lot of money to get him, and he came with a pretty high pedigree. And I'm not 100% sure there's anybody in the fan base that uh, is super happy with his performance this season. And I'm just wondering, when you've got all these other parts, the Edwin Cerrillos and the Thomas Roberts and the Paxton Pomacals, and the, now that Jesus Ferreira is now in that mix in that kind of area of the field, uh, with all the other things going on, I just wonder if anybody feels. I mean, are we all in agreement that no matter what, Brian Acosta is a starting center midfielder for this team next season? He's definitely, definitely the first, uh, the first name in the bunch at the six, and that's going to be something that that should last the season. Hopefully, that consistency will in in the position will sit well with him, and hopefully, he'll stop shooting crappy shots from three miles away. One thing I've talked to with Lucci a little bit about lately um, is the idea of more competition at every position. Uh, he has an awareness that some guys became a little entrenched because he didn't quite feel he had the right options. And that's, that's what we've been talking about for a while now, about how this winter Lucci was going to take the roster more in the direction that he likes. You know, he has four open roster spots basically right now. Um, and some of the, in the, the next section, we'll talk about what positions that might be. You know, part of that will be that, uh, there might be more players that are starter quality than there are numbers positions. And you have to get into things like rotations and you have to get into things like uh, real competition. And if you have a bad game, the other dude's coming in, you know, I, um, there's some of the guys we really like, they're going to be involved in situations like that. When you look at Jesus and Paxson, for an example, you know, so I think, um, I think Acosta will for sure be on the team. I think he'll be one of the four or five guys that are fighting for three spots in the center of midfield. All right. Well, so that let's move on to that next part, which is: uh, Do we have an agreement that this this team has two obvious, most screaming needs? Uh, one being the number nine position, and the other being left wing, or whatever you want to call that position, which has been this weird black hole of of nothingness for a couple of seasons now, or and or ever since um a castillo left the team is are, are those the two most obvious needs and what would be other ones from anybody else uh between the two of you yeah 100 yeah. percent. those are the two yeah and your dog dan and dan's dog which <laughs> so uh, so all three of you buzz dan and the dog all agree the number nine yeah. and the uh and the wing all right well as we say cobra andresic will be part of the answer um, but, you know, it was an eight-game stretch, and you never put all your eggs in one basket. You can't just rely on him. You you need a nine that stretches the field because he's not a stretch the field, so you need a more of a stretch the field kind of nine. You know, you want, again, you want challenge. You want some talent in there. You want to try and take things to the next level. So he's part of the question, part of the puzzle, but not the 100% answer. Left wing, same deal. Santi, uh, Paxton, uh, Thomas Roberts has played over there. Dante Seeley can probably play over there. A lot of guys that could be in the mix. Jesus Ferrer. Jesus Ferreira, yeah. 
again, uh, Baji, if he's still here, you know, I want to trade him. <laughs> you know, none of those guys so far are the answer. So, again, you know, if you're trying to progress this team and you're trying to make a challenge, you're going to bring in some talent at those sp- at that spot. And if you can't beat out whoever they bring in, then that's the business, right? Well, then I'll give you the other two positions that I think are um, – Interesting that I think they need to do something at. Well, before One is you, they wait, need... hold on. Before you okay. do that, before you do that, let me ask. When we we talk about the nine, yeah, how many legitimately buzz? I, I'm going to ask you to do this and pull this out of your butt this early, way before the season. How many yeah. games do you think, or how many minutes do you think Ricardo Pepe will get uh, for FC Dallas next season? Mm. Uh, I think he'll. Uh, I think he'll start some the cup games. And I think he will come off the bench uh, in the neighborhood of 10 to 12 games, come off the bench uh, and get some late game minutes um, when some certain kind of call-ups maybe happen for one player or another, maybe that he might get a spot start or two. And then he'll, he'll, he'll also go down and start a lot of games with North Texas and back and forth. You know, when you're talking about a 17-year-old kid, as much as I love his upside, I don't think that next year is the year he becomes a starter. He'll just he'll be like the end of this year, where you're going to see him come in in the end. Okay, so my my very clear question is: Do you think the front office has a plan to go out and buy a number nine for the 2020 season? Yes, absolutely, 100. percent Okay, all right, yeah, no question. Define plan like a plan that's likely to come to fruition, or a shot in the dark that ricochets off of 50 things and ends up being some dodgy left winger aka well, cobra yeah yeah i mean that's that's the question i mean until we hear a name until we see him play i mean who knows you know they don't have a great track record you know are they going to do something yes is that something going to be good Ooh, i don't know we're gonna have to find out you know i i, I hope it is i you know both the front office and lucci have watched these playoffs, you know, I told you, Lucci had a conversation with me about uh, big time players rising to the occasion. You know, they know. So how good they do in terms of getting somebody, that's what, you know, that's why they're getting paid a lot of money and hopefully they're going to earn that money. And if they don't, they might not be having that job in the long run. All right. So I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Buzz. You said you had another uh, position of need you wanted to talk two. about. Oh, two. I got right. two. Yeah. So and number one position of need on Buzz's number, list. Yeah. After the nine in the wing, the next one is a six. Um, Brian Acosta is not a pure lockdown Carlos Grezzo six. Now he's done some good things there. But um, if you're talking about building a squad, uh, you know, he does get called up to things and you might need another player. And uh, as much as I'm on the front row of the Evan Cerillo bandwagon, he's not hundred percent ready to be a single six uh, MLS stud yet. So I think they need a piece there, a piece uh, vaguely like Victor Uloa, except not him. The one that tackles more and uh, you know, and covers more side to side, more, more like Grezzo ish. You can't afford Grezzo, but something along those lines. Cause you know, we're talking about, now, challenging at all positions and being able to use a cost in more than one spot so you're not locked into everything, right? It's always about not putting all your eggs in one basket. And then the other position, other than the six, is center back depth because right now, Brisson is your center back backup at both positions. Uh, at the beginning of last season, you couldn't trust Callum Montgomery, but he's made a lot of progress and he's close. Uh, the spring will determine a lot whether 
he's ready to be your fourth guy or whether you need to loan him out. Um, and then they let Moises Hernandez go. And, and the and the center backs that are coming up, uh, Breck Evans um, is maybe not quite MLS ready yet. Uh, you know, you maybe you want to see him tested at the championship perhaps. And then guys like Nico Carrera or Dustin Shea, just, uh, Justin Shea, who's a U17, those guys are two or three years away. So um, I think they'll make a move. Maybe it's through the draft. Maybe it's through a uh, a college type homegrown signing. Uh, they do have the, the ability to do those. You know, your your guys that used to be in the academy and maybe are doing great things in college, um, something like that. Something like a Moises Hernandez, except not Moises Hernandez. You know, a, a semi low twenties, but a guy who could maybe challenge Montgomery for that fourth spot uh, in the rotation at center back. So those are my other two, other than the six and the. And the the nine and the wing is the center back backup. Dan, you got any positions you'd like to see the team fill? I think center back depth is a really great point. Um, you know, especially when we've seen uh, Montgomery's passing's got a lot better over the season, but it's it's still not an amazing fit for Lucci Ball. Um, you know, as Buzz mentioned, the draft is it's a great place to pick up a defender. Um, you know, everyone's out there trying to find attacking talent, and the defenders often get uh, neglected a little bit and fall down the order. Um, so we'll, uh, it'll, be de- it'll definitely be quite interesting. Um, and again, you know, we're, we're going to see, as we do with every time a new team comes in, a pretty busy trade period. Um, you know, we'll see how keen FC Dallas are if, if they want to get involved with that. Um, okay, so are we feeling like we've covered this uh, as much as you guys wanted to? Anything else in particular about the roster situation leading in for 2020? Buzz, you want to talk about? Uh, just that I, I think that a couple of the North Texas guys will get some looks. Um, I think uh, Francis Atuahene and Matuamasi are both coming back next week, uh, which is the last week of training, uh, you know, to get in the mix a little bit. Um, you know, so there's some guys that this spring's going to be interesting. There's going to be five or six guys that might be getting tested to see, are you ready to help me? Uh, or do I need to send you to a championship instead of another season in North Texas? So, um, that's going to be, for me, that's the fun. The fringe stuff is where I can really sink my teeth in and try and review guys and say what I think is going to happen. And, um, you know, I think we covered just about everything else, uh, so earlier this week, you tweeted uh, some information that you were hearing news that some of the young players were going to go over to Germany to train at Bayern Munich. Um, is, is this continuing to be a one-way street, uh, or is there any sense that there's any possibility that for 2020 somebody comes back from Germany uh, from their uh, system and plays for Dallas? Yeah, what I heard was that three players were going to go train, but then depending on who I talked to, among people that might know, three da- three uh, Dallas players were going. Three to Dallas train. players okay. were going to go over there, and then, like I said, depending on who I talked to, I got six different names of. Oh yeah, that guy's for sure one of the three. So I haven't uh, gotten it locked down to where I'm comfortable to say who I think the three are, but you can probably take some educated guesses and feel pretty comfortable about who some of those might be. Um, but no, I have not heard anything. Uh, come on the other way. And as several people have reminded me, it's like this deal is a youth development deal. So like the payoff for Dallas, um, if you want to call it that, is things like taking the U15 team to the Bayern campus tournament and playing against all those amazing, great clubs that they played in that thing. Um, it's the uh, like these kids that are going to go, not all of them are going to be scouted by um, Bayern. Like like Thomas Roberts clearly was, and Chris Richards clearly was when they went. But then Brandon Cervania went, 
um, I think that one was more about just getting him some interesting training and interesting experience. And, and um, I kind of am left with the impression from people I've talked to that, that, that this situation is again, going to be kind of like that where maybe one player that's going is getting scouted, but the other two are like, just going to go along and have a great experience and maybe get seen by some other sort of people and, and more of your training stint than your tryout, if that makes sense. Um, is there much of a distinction there? I don't know. And unfortunately, I think you're right that uh, I don't think this thing's ever going to translate into a player coming the other way, uh, unfortunately. And yeah. No one will say that, but yeah. that's what I'm that's what I'm my gut is now telling me that I don't think we're ever going to see a player come from Byron. Yeah, I, it's weird to me because I, I just have to assume somewhere in the Byron system there is a player who they'd like to get more regular playing time that's just not quite good enough to make it to the you know the senior team that could probably benefit from playing in a competitive league that's you know I, I guess then the question is well is MLS better than whatever uh, Bundesliga uh, you know reserve league that that guy may be playing in. I just that's the part that really surprises me is yeah. that um, not only is Dallas unable to convince them to do that, that they just don't seem interested in doing it. But maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised. The one one last question about this that I do want to ask you at the beginning of the season, all of us were pretty much primed and ready for Thomas Roberts, Thomas Roberts to uh, pack his things up and move to Germany because Bayern Munich wanted him in a real bad way. We've all seemed to cool on that. And so my question is, A, were we just really wrong in our prediction? Or B, was Thomas's performances for North Texas, he was never bad, but he was either solid to very good, the kind of up and down of his performances. Um, did that in any way damage uh, their interest in bringing him over? Um. From the lay of the land that I got from asking around a little bit was that, um, you know, the fact they brought him back meant that they were sort of tracking him, that he was on their list, you know. And I think if, like, for example, if, if he's one of the people that goes again, I think that would be pretty indicative. Um, what I have heard is that um, Thomas is, Thomas's position is a position, particularly with their U19 team, which is where Thomas would be right now, mm -hmm. um, is pretty loaded at, at kind of what he does. And then the jump would be up to like their U23 team which plays in like the youth UEFA league or whatever. So um, I, I, I didn't get this from Thomas or anyone surrounding him. I just got it from people that are kind of attached to sort of agents and players and, and they were sort of discussing why it hadn't happened. And the idea was that they're still tracking him and they still like him. They're just sort of happy to let him develop where he is because he was going to get all this first team training and this uh, North Texas play. Um, I, I don't think they're in a hurry to pull the trigger on him, but I, I do think there's still a level of interest. So um, we'll see. I mean, sometimes things just don't work out timing wise. You know what I mean? And occasionally, especially if you're coming from a place like, you know, Dallas and, and Arkansas, Bayern <laughs> Munich, they might be like, well, just get, we're going to wait half a season and see, you know. Right. Um, okay. Uh, very good. The other thing I real quick I wanted to ask about um, was uh, Lucci did an interview. Um, I can't remember if it was with John Arnold or who it was with. It may have been with uh, Armin or somebody. And I, I was a little uh, disappointed in Lucci's enthusiasm or uh, willingness to kind of um, 
It, I, I took away from the article that Lucci seemed uh, prepared for 2020 to be a season where essentially the goal is to essentially win the game in Seattle they lost this year. And if they did that, mm. he'd be pretty happy with that. That was the John Honor article. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know what Dan thought about it, but I, I kind of felt like um, there was a little bit of like the, the idea of being patient. You know what I mean? Like part of our process is that four or five key players are 19 and 20. So like if we, if, if we can take a step in those kids progression and if we can, you know, be higher in the standings and host the game and win and advance and go deeper then yes, that would be progress. So I'm with you. I, I'd like to see a little more ambition on that one. I, I don't Dan, what do you think? I, did you read that interview that John had? Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, he was talking about putting, putting themselves in, in a better position, which, it, it's getting a home game. It's getting further up the table before the end of the season, and you know, and, and knowing that you're not going on the road. That I mean, you may still not win, but you've got that advantage. You've got you got home field. Um, I mean, I'm not really sure where he can go from there. It was a season we kind of expected to get to the playoff-ish. Um, I, I thought really the the biggest disappointment was how. Um, the Open Cup went because you know you lose into a low division team. They're a really, really good lower division team, but uh, still, you know, I don't think they they made that count and really got the reps for the younger players that they could have. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I'll take that over. Yeah, the goal next season's win MLS Cup at all costs because that's not realistic, and that's just you know that'd just be him BSing, and that's you know we we've all talked to Lucci enough to know he's that's not how he is. He's he's very understated. He talks about challenging. You know, it can be playing against Cincinnati, and he'll say, you know, well we want a challenge to earn three points. He'll never he he doesn't want to guarantee a win. He he just wants to guarantee a. A damn good go at it, and knowing the back of his mind, it it better bloody well be a win. The other news that came out this week was that uh, Paxton Pomacall and uh, Mr. Nelson both uh, had surgery for core muscle injuries. Could somebody tell me what the hell that means? Hernia. Is that they're both so, hernia? The, yeah. the core muscles are your adductors, uh, so everything that comes off of like the groin, the hamstring, the quads. Uh, the lower stomach, so mostly it's hernias, it's talking about Paxton's hip flexor, it's talking about ah. Nelson's hernia, it's talking about the adductor injury that Kellen had a few years ago. Anytime, you, anytime they talk about uh, that particular doctor and that pl- uh, that place in Philadelphia, that's you know that's the the guy that fixes everyone in the world's groin. <laughs> and my dog's back again. <laughs> Uh, I like to just pretend that you actually wear a little bell or a collar with a tag on it. And when you start talking, it jingles. That's in my head. That's what we're listening to. So don't really. Yeah, that was part that of the initiation down. for third degree. What are you talking about? Don't <laughs> right. you have one? I, f- I forgot. Yeah. Well, many, many. It's been so long since I yeah. had to go through the initiation process. I forgot. That's right. Yeah. 20 years. <laughs> it's been. Yeah, Buzz. It's been a long time, buddy. Um, OK. Yeah. Well, that would. That's interesting. I Because when they said he had when Paxson had surgery, I wondered if this was related to the now infamous inflamed hip flexor situation or if this was a new injury that uh, resulted from something else. So you're saying all that's tied together 
And maybe that then goes back to Lucci's decision to not start him uh, for the Seattle game or the games prior to that. Yeah, they certainly yeah. buried the lead on that. I mean, for it to be bad enough to need surgery, that's not the impression I was left with. <laughs> you know, well, they were talking about an issue. This is yeah. the kind of thing you you clean up at this time of year and know that they're ready to get a few weeks in the gym before preseason. Well, I would certainly say all of my particular outrage and confusion and whining and complaining and asking and, and com- demanding that Lucci be fired with fi- shaking my fist in the air on, <laughs> while I'm yelling at the on the radio uh, would have uh, completely had a different tone to it if somebody had just said, you know, guys, he's hurt more than we're letting on. Like, I don't understand why they don't disclose this stuff or be more honest with the fan base and the media about this. I don't know what advantage they think they get out of um, of being uh, vague on this stuff, but I don't know. We, well, we in hockey, you know, was, they would say they would say lower body injury. Yeah. yeah, well, it's stupid but hockey. That's too. what they did. That's what they put on the uh, on the report when he first had that hip flexor. Was we it? only found out it was a hip flexor by talking to Lucci <laughs> and him saying on record, "Yeah, it's not it's not a hamstring or anything like that that could be taken from hip, from lower body injury." It's a hip flexor. It's just a little inflamed. Well, when Paxton uh, uh, called into the radio show, he uh, we uh, were left with the impression he was ready to go and wanted to start. So I, I, yeah. maybe it's one of those things where they clean it up because they can and they got time to do it and he's got time to rest. Um, I don't know. I, I guess maybe we'll, well, we'll never. You think ever as well, like like these these core injuries. You know that's pro, that's affecting that's the hamstring injury he had earlier in the year. That's favoring. The, the the leg and getting picking up the hip flex uh, you know you you want to get him all season so if you can tidy things up and it's you know same as players having the little uh, the little knee scopes and stuff at this time of year it's it's just maintenance um, just modern maintenance in the modern game right yeah that kind of leads to a question I had just thought of so um, you know the the team kind of ran into a plague of hamstring issues and there were some questions about you know this is a young coaching staff and a new support staff uh, maybe they're kind of learning on the fly uh, and and it just dawned on me Buzz do you have any anticipation that Lucci's going to make, be making changes in the coaching staff and support staff for 2020 no I've not um, uh gotten any impressions on that other than um they have the one trainer uh or physical guy i can't remember exactly what his title is that got stuck in um south america and couldn't get back and they never could get his visa started out they they're using him as a scout instead and he was um, and he was the guy that was supposed to be the expert in training for hamstring yeah. uh prevention yeah no right? he had done really good he'd done really good things with them they really like him um he just couldn't get back in the country and his name is escaping me right in the minute um, as far as I know, he never got here. I, I haven't seen him. So, I mean, I think they'll still try and bring him back, you know, and, and try and get him in. So that would be the only change that I'm aware of that would be coming um, is if, if that dude can finally make it, you know, because he would be a, a nice piece. A lot of the young guys have, in the academy have told me, um, you know, about that guy and how much he's helped uh, even the young kids coming through the academy learn how to be pros and take care of themselves. So, um, uh, and I apologize to him that I can't remember his name off the top of my head and I don't have time to look it up, but, um, you know, that's the only staff change I see coming. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the core stuff seems to happen. And this is something Oscar talked to me about like three years ago. Um, you remember Jesus had a problem with this too. Um, the Oscar and his staff, which some of them are carried over now, they felt like that the current generation that's coming out of the academies, for some reason, these kids don't have the core muscle strength that say five to 10 years ago, kids had, 
Um, they don't know whether it's because of they play more video games or something, or they don't go outside or something. <laughs> but they, they, I'm telling you, like the FC Dallas has been concerned about young kids coming out of the academy and core muscle for about four or five years now. Interesting. So it's it's not it's it's definitely something they have marked as a trend among young guys, particularly like when they first get into the load where they're playing more games, like Paxson has this year. So, um, you know, and Jesus had it when he first came up and, was, and went into MLS training instead of youth academy training. So um, it's definitely a thing. Now, I'm, I'm not in the medical profession, so I can't cite a study for you or anything. But FC Dallas is definitely concerned about kids and core. I know um, I spoke to the, the Bazans um, when, when they were here. And, you know, obviously uh, Fabian Bazan was, was, was the guru with uh, – you know that that work to uh, fix Mauro Diaz's uh, hamstrings and everything else, and, and you know, and the way they work, worded it was kind of like a lot of it came down to just how the games evolved, how it's got quicker, how there's more, you know, more just flat out sprinting rather than uh, yeah, how how those uh, how those runs are getting longer, and you know, it's turned into more more track athletes than just just ball carrying soccer players and you know and how those fast twitch fibers respond and you know and, and just trying to maintain them not even prepare them just try and minimize the damage at the, on the back end of it all right so buzz uh any particular dates uh, fans should be aware of that are upcoming uh as we roll into the official off season yeah sure the fc dallas will train next week uh through november 8th that'll be the end of they're training for this calendar season. Uh, and then the next big, really important ones uh, are um, the expansion draft, which FC Dallas is exempt from. And then they have these crazy waivers and re-entries, and none of which mean anything to FC Dallas unless you care about guys that contracts didn't get picked up. Um, and then the most important one uh, is that they changed, they got rid of the college combine, and they're, they're going to have like a thing in conjunction with the college cup which is the 12th to the 15th of December. So the College Cup and the Combine will happen together at the same time, same place. That's kind of cool. And then um, FC Dallas will report for physicals on January 18th. And the first day of training for spring 2020 is January 20th. Mark it in your calendar. And the uh, good news was is that the awards and accolades continue to come in from the extremely ex- uh, extremely successful debut season for North Texas Soccer Club. Uh, both Eric Quill as Coach of the Year and what was the player award that was in, done this week? Uh, Arturo Rodriguez was named the Young Player of the Year, which is roughly under U23, basically. Uh, and the fun thing about that was well, he's well-deserving of the award is that the three of the top four vote-getters were, and it's all voted on by USL1 coaches and staff and so forth, three of the four were North Texas players. Uh, Renato Damos and Ricardo Pepe was the fourth. Now, uh, MVP, which you've been uh, pushing hard for for Arturo, has not yet been announced, correct? No, that's still to come. Um I, I wonder if him winning this means that people didn't vote for him for MVP. But, I, it, you know, when you look at his numbers, it's entirely possible he'll also be MVP because his numbers are just absolutely staggering in both offensive and defensive categories. So I still think he should be MVP. All right. Now, I would have normally, per the run sheet, ended the podcast here. But while we were recording, some very interesting news has popped up on this uh, thing called Twitter. Um, And this may shake us to our very core. 
the mainland, which is SB Nation's Orlando City outlet, their version of Big D Soccer, uh, they are reporting that Orlando City, quote, is targeting former FC Dallas and current club Tijuana manager Oscar Pereja to replace James O'Connor. Everybody yeah, just take a, a take a deep breath. <laughs> yeah. Sit down. Just let yourself absorb that news. Um, so I read that before we uh, we got on the call. Their entire article was based on he's worked with Tesho Akindele and Luis Muzzi and Tijuana get rid of managers quite often. There was nothing. It just seemed like such a stretch. Dan, don't poo-poo the article. That's fun. <laughs> is it well, fun? Luis Muzi is the connection. I mean, yes. that's obviously the real connection. And if and, and it is one hundred percent true that Mexican managers turn over fast, you know. And and Oscar wanted a new challenge, and that's why he went to Mexico. He wanted the cauldron. So I mean, if he does get canned, he's going to need a job, and Muzi would be on him so fast. And a lot of times, if you're in a position like we are, uh, and I can't speak for that site, but a lot of times we wouldn't write an article like that unless somebody behind the scenes to us was like, "Man, we're really hoping we can get him." You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, but I'm not saying that SB Nation sites will. Yeah, sure. Yeah, SB Nation sites. Your mileage may vary on their terms of the of how much they follow a a journalistic (laughs) code. Um, So I don't know. I didn't read the article. I just saw the tweet. So I just I didn't know. Is so you've read it. Dan, and you're just saying somebody just made this up out of whole cloth, or they actually, uh, they're not referring to any other reports or sources or anything? It, it just, it seems a little bit strange. There's, there's no, there's no sources mentioned or anything. It's just, you know, a couple of loose links. It seems very strange because, you know, in Mexico, they're, they're getting to the, the, the Guila phase and, you know, Cholos are in that. They're, they're, they're sitting seventh right now. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, we knew Oscar wanted a, ch- a new challenge. Uh, to then turn around and go to a team that has never made the playoffs, has no real youth in it. It, it just seems like it seems like a massive step backwards. The only thing I would say about it is the article does lead with the mainland has learned that. So they're professing to have some information here specifically. So, you know, I, I cannot speak for the validity of that website, but it sure as heck is fun to conjecture. And boy, would that be a lot of drama, drama and well, fun if, if he were to take that job. I'd have to call him and yell at him. Well, it certainly would get everybody paused to to really wonder, uh, ask a lot of questions about what happened here. How was he allowed to leave? Why did he leave? Because it would it would really paint his decision to pack up and leave to go take an opportunity in Mexico in a very different light. If in the span of 12 months, he decided to come back to Major League Soccer for what I think we would all agree is. Um, at least the worst job. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, or is it right? I, I don't know. I don't know what the ownership situation is in Orlando. I mean, obviously those guys have poured a lot of money into building uh, an amazing facility, but to Dan's point, they don't have the youth structure, but, but considering how little Lucci used all of his youth product here in Dallas compared to Lucci, it does make you wonder if uh, uh, over the years, uh, Perea came to the opinion that, look, I'm never winning an MLS Cup with kids. 
kids. I need legitimate veteran talent to power this thing to make them legitimate competitors. And and again, I say this all the time. That's the reason why his uh, his eyeballs got uh, distracted and he left in the first place because he just knew he was never going to get that here. Maybe he. If yeah. there's any if there's any truth to this, maybe somebody Muzi's calling him and going, look, they're ready to spend some money and get you some players. Would you like to come here and play in this amazing stadium uh, in this awful humidity? <laughs> well, certainly whether he's whether they have to buy him out or whether he's fired makes a significant difference of how we would answer that question. Um, and you also have to wonder with Orlando now going to be in Miami in Miami's shadow down there in Florida. Oh yeah. Um, you know, are they going to be like, Oh, we got to get to work, especially because the inner Academy is killing it already. And, and Muzi went down the express statement of they were going to build the Academy. So, um, and, and you know, Oscar built the Academy here. So, uh, you could totally see the appeal. And if the guy's out of a job, you know, he's out of a job and then it makes no, you know, perfect sense. But, um, if, if he takes a buyout to leave, boy, that'll be cool. Then we'll have to really ask questions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If he also walks away from a playoff team, he's nuts to go to someone that's never made the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. I, my sense is, is that Oscar is having a rather good go of it uh, for his first year. Again, we all agree Zolos is a team that I think is fired or, re, or or its coaches left every year for what the last like seven or eight seasons or something like that. I, I can't yeah. I can't even remember what the longest tenure of one particular coach has been over the last and uh, in, 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 since that co- club's been around. It's not long. Um, and no. that was also why we were all shocked he took the job in the first place because it was such a uh, it wasn't a, a function of uh, if you get fired, but when you get fired. Well, I mean, yeah, his I thought, start there was rough as well. Like it, oh, it yeah. looked like he was going to get fired super quick. Yeah, yeah. I talked to him right after he won that uh, cup game against. Um, uh, it was like Chivas or Club America. Somebody can't remember who it was. Somebody big. They won, knocked off in like the cup semi. I can't remember what it was. Else. And um, at that point, he was feeling really good and relishing the challenge and enjoying himself. So, um, but again, admittedly, that was I don't know six months ago or something. So, um, I haven't talked to him lately. So I, I'm, I'm about to call him now. Yeah, I was uh, I was supposed to meet up with him when he was in town several months ago, and it, it ended up not working out. And unfortunately, uh, that would have been well. Now, like you, Buzz, I got to get on the horn with him and, and do another interview because uh, I got to know what what is up with that. If that turned out to be true, him walking in with another team that is in this league would be really uh, weird. <laughs> Very ex-wife, new boyfriend kind of thing, right? Yeah, for sure. I, if he were to bail this quickly, that's the thing is if he takes a buyout and bails this fast, that means something's gone south down there or that means that will really raise questions about why he left here in the first place. All right. Um, OK, so, uh, Dan, anything else you want to talk about, buddy? Uh, just, uh, you know, how, how, how wonderful the uh, the new look third degree is and, and how we're all going to enjoy it and <laughs> and how great it is that, you know, now our content is so much more accessible and people can just come to to us and stay in that one place for all their news and views. All right. Uh, is there any chance I can get an impersonation from you uh, since, uh, I don't know, you know, this may be the last podcast we do for a few weeks. And, you know, I think everybody would love one last impersonation from you. I can even throw a name out if you'd like one. You've obviously got one in mind. No, I was just I was just kind of, you know. Yeah. Do you have one you'd like to do? How about I'll leave it up to you. Is there one in particular you'd like to do? 
I mean, we did kick off the show with one. So. Uh, yeah, but it was so good, and you have this amazing. I mean, it is called Dan Crook's Amazing Library of Impersonations, so it's not like you've only got one or two. Uh, you can rip them off. You could do them. That, uh, that, that T-shirt is coming to the uh, third degree, uh, whatever the T-shirt company store is. I mean, your Andrezic impersonation I heard you do one time is pretty awesome. I don't think I've ever done one. No. generic Eastern oh. European. Though. Buzz and I, we, we stood over in the locker room and listened to you do it, and we laughed and laughed. It was the one you did right after you did the John Arnold impersonation. See, the, the, most, the least believable part was when you said you were in the locker room for it. <laughs> That's a good point. Fair. That's a good shot, and I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> shout out. Oh, post-game shenanigans. But you sound like a kind of Eastern European guy. Like, I give good fight. That's actually pretty close. That's pretty damn good. All right, yeah. congratulations. That's just what he sounds like. All right, well, uh, it's been a fun season of Third Degree of the Podcast, Buzz and Dan. thanks. Uh, thank you both for uh, your concerted efforts in uh, this weekly venture. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you, Peter, for making us sound semi-professional. Well, fully professional. Uh, sorry, sorry, mm, minor league. Yeah, yeah. We're this is very much USL one podcasting here. We'll maybe someday we'll do uh, MBSL. Uh, yeah, we'll go to USL Pro <laughs> next, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll go up to the championship. <laughs> we'll, we'll shoot for something the next level up. Okay. Yeah. And, of course, uh, uh, again, the big news, Buzz Carrick's thirddegree.net becomes its own independent site as of Friday, November 1st. Please go over there. Uh, consider uh, donating to his Patreon, helping Buzz hit his goals, uh, and helping that dude out because he totally deserves it. Especially if you're, if you're going out of your way to listen to this podcast, you're exactly the kind of person that I think should take at least a moment to consider uh, donating to his Patreon. You can listen to the podcast within the new third degree dot net. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow. So you don't even need the, like a, a podcast app. You can do it no, you can stream the latest, it from the website. The latest episode will pop up in the window. Oh, nice. Alright. Well, so much forward so much to look forward to in this off season. Yes. Alright, somebody had a baby. Alright, yeah, trick, trick or party treat. Yeah. Dance house. Alright, trick or treat, everybody. Happy Halloween uh, to you both. Thank you, very good FC Dallas Curious fan. We will speak to you sometime in the near future on another new season of Third Degree the Podcast. Post-time.